Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 240, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This episode, do you have a lot of misconceptions about creativity? You can take a test along with us to find out. This is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each episode, we cover some of the hottest topics in news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This episode, our guest will give us some tips on how we can convince our students that math is relevant in the real world. Stay with us. Everybody, Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by friend, chief academic officer, as well as co-host of the Class Dismissed podcast, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing today? Look, <laughs> it's the first of March. We're eerily close to spring break, and I am holding on by a little thread. Well, I think everyone is probably right there with you, so don't feel bad about that. That's just part of you know getting through the school year. You're gonna make it, it is. I think for me, it's just um, I'm exhausted. My plate's full. It's testing season, and I've just been rocking and rolling nonstop. And I need a little break. I'm gonna tell you what I always tell my wife uh, whenever she's having a rough time at work, and I know this applies to you as well. And what I always say is, they couldn't do it without you. And I think I think oh, that helps. I think that you know, helps. When you so you say mind, that, right? I, I appreciate that because that's part of why I'm always overextended. Is you know. I don't say no. I, <laughs> right. I try to help everyone that's coming at me and they're coming at me from every direction. <laughs> I used to always try to like find solutions for my wife to all her problems. And I realized she doesn't want to hear my solutions. So I just say they couldn't do it without you. <laughs> and I, just I think of... it's perfect. That's like the perfect response. I feel a little bit differently when I think about it that way. I can push through. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm tired. Yeah, I understand. All right. Well, and today... I'm normally pretty hype. I know, but that's okay. Everyone's up and down. You know, that's that's natural. So uh, okay, today, today, today we're going to keep it real. You're going to take a quiz, all right? And it's not, okay. it's not a hard quiz. But um, there was this interesting uh, story I saw. It was in the Science of Creativity. It was an article by Annie Murphy Paul. And uh, she challenges us to take a true or false quiz. So all you got to say is true or false about creativity. And it really all comes down to a study that um, a University of Connecticut professor named James Kaufman had kind of come up with this quiz. He tested uh, or gave the quiz to a thousand people um, to see if there was widespread misconceptions about creativity. All right. And this was originally okay. that whole study was originally published in 2021 um, in the personality and individual differences journal. So, uh, all right. Are you ready for the questions we have? It's not too many. And um, all, again, all you got to say is true or false. And I'm going to give you the correct answer as we go. So well, we'll do it that way. All right. First question, creative accomplishments are usually the result of sudden inspiration. True or false? <laughs> you want me to read false. it again? False. Yes. Okay. Got it. You're right. That is false. Creative accomplishments most often result from lots of hard work. Okay. Second question. Creativity tends to be a solitary activity. True. Okay. The answer is actually false. Collaboration can liberate great creativity. 
and and we can mm. I'll, I'll share the link to like the whole study and everything if somebody wants to like okay. challenge these all right so uh next question creative ideas typically combine remembered information in new ways true True. Yes. Creative ideas often combine remembered information in new ways. All right. Next question. Children are more creative than adults. True. The answer is false. Adults are <gasps> usually more creative than children, according to this. Okay. And again, I'll share the link. I don't believe it. All right. Um, when stuck on a... Pro- Go ahead. What? I'm just laughing at that. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I know That one surprised me too. When stuck on a problem, it is helpful to continue working on it after taking a break. Yes. True. Yes. True. Correct. If you are stuck, take a break and return to the task. I am that person like with everything. Like I'm, I don't want to say like, I always like go to where the water flows, the pipe that flows. But like, if I'm like doing something and it's like hard, I'm just step away. And I come back to it. And I think it's weird yep. for people to watch me do that because they're kind of like, where are you going? And where I'm like, <laughs> uh, but I, that's just how I work. I'm, I'm always kind of staging for the next. And I'll do like five things at once, but I'm just kind of nudging the ball forward a little bit in five different directions. I never actually like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird process for me. Um, hey, we're kind of similar, to be honest. Yeah. I, and so it's like, I've even had a boss be like, you know, like, what about this? What about that? I'm like, it's in the works. It's in the works. It's in the works. You know, like it's all, it's all happening. The ball is moving forward. I promise you and all that. So it's, it's a little weird. Um, all right. Uh, next question. People get more creative ideas under the influence of alcohol or marijuana. I'm just going to say marijuana to see what happens. You say so you're going to say yes. Marijuana makes you more creative. I would, I would say yes too. Accor- so what's the answer? <laughs> the, according to this, it is false. Sorry, booze and weed don't help. I don't know. I mean, oh, I, I need goodness. to see some more research on that. But that is that is what this University of Connecticut professor um, has is telling us. All right, next question. Achieving a creative breakthrough in a domain, such as like publishing a successful novel, typically requires at least 10 years of deliberate practice and work. False. They say true. They say 10 years of deliberate practice and work are often required for a breakthrough accomplishment, which I don't know. I, I need to digest that one a little bit, you know? Yeah. Read it to me again. Sure, sure. Okay. Achieving a creative breakthrough in a domain, as an example, like publishing a successful novel, typically requires at least 10 years of deliberate practice and work. And hmm. they say, true, 10 years of deliberate practice and work are often required for a breakthrough accomplishment. I mean, I want to say there was like a Malcolm Gladwell, like, and I'm going to completely butcher this. I'm sure there's people listening who like know way better than I do. But it was like something in one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. And he was like, you need to practice something for a long amount of time before you master it or something. And <laughs> And I get that, but 10, 10 years? years, right? I know that does seem, I've always told people no one's good at their job the first year they do it. Like, and I truly believe that. Like if I would definitely you know, agree with that too, but you know, cause I, whenever I look back of like starting something new in my life and I look back and think of that first year, I almost cringe. I'm like, Oh, I did that. Oh, I did that. You know? And cause now I'm so much better at that. I don't know. So, but 10 years, you're right. seems like a, a long one. A long time. Yeah. So I'm not doing too good on this quiz. <laughs> I know. And I should have been keeping uh, track. I, what have you missed? Two or three? I don't know. I don't know, but too many for me. <laughs> All right. um, let's see. Uh, Overachiever here. <laughs> creative thinking mostly happens in the right hemisphere of the brain. Left. That's false. It is false, right? But uh, it's both sides of the brain are involved in creative thinking. 
okay, well, yay. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was but, still correct. Right. So, yeah, I guess so. But it's both. You know right. why I said that? Because I'm left-handed. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I am right-handed. I don't even know if that's a myth. Like, does your right hand, left hand affect what side of the brain you use? Like, I don't know. We are most creative with total freedom of action. True. He says false. Creative work often happens within situational constraints. All right, next question. I'm a little over this quiz. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Only three more to go. The first idea we have is often not the best one. True. Yes, true. The best idea might be the second, third, or fourth. Next question. Long-term schooling has a negative impact on children's creativity. False. Correct. False. Staying in school need not impede children's creativity. And last question. Positive moods help people get creative ideas. True. Yes, true. That one is true. Yeah, I think the whole point is, though, like we don't want to box anyone in um, because we think creative creativity like works a certain way. Like there's certain myths out there. And I think that's kind of the point of his quiz is to kind of like break the myth of, you know, the fact about school or the fact about, um, you know, working with situational constraints, like you can still be creative and so forth. And I think that's kind of the whole goal. I kind of like it. Now, the, the second to last question almost <laughs> caused me to clutch my pearls about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> clutch my pearls. I have not heard that one. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the, the negative impacts of long-term schooling. I want to say cut it out. Yeah, no, right. It, I, I think that it, it certainly wouldn't impede, you know, children's creativity. So I, I think that's good to hear, especially when we're doing a podcast uh, tied to educators. But um, again, I will um, share the link to the actual study as well as this particular article because it's two separate things. And uh, anybody who wants to kind of dive deeper into this or do this quiz, maybe with their students, uh, it'll be available on our website at classdismissedpodcast.com. Hey, Christina, are you ready for today's uh, Brad Idea? Yeah, let's go. Our guest in today's Brad Idea segment is a project director at the College of Education at the University of Arizona. Dr. Jennifer Kinzer Trout's writings were recently featured in Mathematics Teacher. In her article titled Why Math, she offers up her strategy for helping high school students see the relevance of mathematics. Jennifer, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you are at the University of Arizona now as a project director, but but you, at least at one point in your life, you taught high school mathematics, correct? Correct. I taught math and science for 10 years and mostly geometry and algebra at ninth and 10th grade. I'm thrilled to have you on the show because a, a true story, two weeks ago, <laughs> maybe two or three weeks ago, I'm riding in the car with my um, middle child. He's an eighth grader and he's a good student. He's in uh, AP mathematics and uh, he also takes some other accelerated classes. And he like really punched me in the gut because he was like, I don't know why I'm doing math. This is stupid. They shouldn't make math uh, a core subject. And <laughs> me not being a, a math person myself, um, I didn't know how to respond. I wanted to defend it, but I, I didn't even know how to approach it. And then I saw that you wrote this article and I thought, okay, we got to get her on the show. We, we need to arm people like myself and, and other teachers out there. Like, how do we tell the story of math? Great. Yeah, it's so important. And it relates 
kind of to my own learning when I was a junior in high school. I asked my Algebra 2 teacher why we were learning this, and uh, he turned it back on the class and said, thank you to Jen for a class project. So you all need to figure out why we're learning conic sections. And so it just is kind of coming full circle and supporting math teachers and being prepared and kind of knowing how to answer the question why. And so you decided, I guess you were you were teaching in a high school, and you must have had students like my son who were like, why are we doing this, right? Like that was a, a big problem, I guess. It was. Well, and even not asking why. Like it, I could tell by the time they were in ninth or 10th grade math, they were just done. They didn't care. And that was what was so concerning to me. They were no longer even asking. Um, and so I really wanted to flip it on them and get their point of view and help them see why they should care about math. And so you started, I guess, it's it's a two-day research project kind of at the beginning of the school year. Is that is that how you plan this? Yeah. And so I had my first introductory day just to kind of share about the classroom. And then we met in the library. Um, I taught before carts were popular. And so we would go to the library and teach, um, be in the computer lab. And the students would start on three specific websites. I'd give them a place to start. And they would dig into that. And they would have to find one reason, um, one or three, one to three reasons why they should care about math that year. And I just kind of let them loose in the computer lab and had them research and figure out why. And the websites I gave them, um, some were open-ended, some looked at cell phones and fashion and roller coaster design to kind of help them see where math comes into those things. Um, and then I also shared something, a website or two that was more in-depth um, about space exploration, just kind of a wide variety of websites to get them started. And so just so I understand this right in our list are following like before you even taught a lick of math you you had them basically in the computer lab learning why they need to learn math exactly yeah yeah um because prior to this project i would spend time trying to sell my students on the importance of math and i realized i was terribly unsuccessful despite really caring about math and you know telling them all the reasons they should care, it didn't really translate very well to a ninth grader. Um, and so I just turned it on them right away at the beginning of the year and asked them to tell me why they should care. And so as they're kind of digging into these these websites, I mean, are they like almost picking what they want to be when they grow up and they're researching how math applies? Is, is that what, what's taking place there? <laughs> Sometimes it was that. And so um, sometimes they knew what they wanted to do. And so um, one student in particular wanted to be a nurse, but she saw no connection to math. And so I really pushed her to keep looking for those connections. And she found that when nurses um, put together the IVs, they really need to work on ratios and percentages to make sure they have the IV solution correct. Um, and so she was able to dig in that way to the math project, whereas other students would, you know, really dig into their current hobbies, such as skateboarding or riding bikes or fashion. Um, and they would connect to math concepts with those hobbies or interests. So I guess like with fashion, it's it's measurements, I imagine, and proportions, right? Of some type. As yeah, as well as patterns um, and really connecting to geometry. Um, but yep, 
all of those pieces. And I really learned so much from the projects because, you know, when I started this project, I was a new teacher. And so I didn't have all of these connections immediately available to myself. And so, you know, turning it on to the 150 students I had each year really opened my eyes to all of the connections of math. So, and so, okay. So you're learning along the way. Did you see this like clicking with your students as they're like kind of digging through this? I mean, do they start to appreciate the subject? Was it working? So, you know, yes, but I also think it was the way I turned the math class around on them. So yes, they were making connections. Yes, they were clicking. But it was also that I cared about what they thought and what they wanted to learn. And so they knew immediately that math was going to be slightly different this year, that I was going to really turn to them and what they were thinking about, as opposed to just telling them what they should care about. And so the combination of the project and implementing the project really changed things. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, it almost sounds like the project kind of became um, a way to build a relationship with your students. And and that was a, a healthy side effect. Yes. Yeah. And it allowed me two days of really learning their interests and their passions and learning who they were as individuals. And that allowed me to connect much deeper throughout the year to their interests and their background um, and connect them in learning math. So if you're an educator and you're listening to this and you're like, all right, I want my students to do this. Is there are there websites that like these students should be going to or are they just hitting Google and, and saying, you know, why is math important in nursing? So I started with three specific websites, and they're a little bit long. I can tell them to you, or I can make sure you have them on the website. Yeah, we we can certainly put them in the show notes, no problem. But if you want to kind of even give us the beginning of the website, maybe. Yeah, one sends the students to um, learner.org, and it really looks at exhibits and daily math and resources. And then the other is mathagain.org, and it's applications. And then the other connects with NASA, and it's um, pumas.jpl.nasa.gov. And then I didn't include it in the article, but I also really like AMS, American Mathematical Society. They have a series of posters called Math mathematical moments. And it really connects students to um, ideas in the world about math. And so they have like posters about describing the ocean via mathematical modeling. Um, And I would have those posters around my room as well to kind of support math in the world. I know kind of as you went along with this project and you were rolling it out year after year, you came up with some other ideas, I think. And one of those was to include the community somehow and why math is important. Yes. Yeah. And so I was thinking that um, it wasn't something I implemented, but if I were to go back and do this again, I think I would have the students interview their family members or a community member about why they think math is important. Um, And that would allow them to start talking about math and also send the message home that math is, you know, math outside of the classroom is valued as well. What made you want to to write this article? I mean, are you trying to to reach educators who are, are going into the system? I mean, what kind of inspired you to to get out ahead of this? So, a couple things actually. The first is that I want to share this with other teachers. Um, but the second is that I also want to support local teachers in realizing that they have projects that they can share. And so it didn't occur to me to share this until actually I was in an interview and somebody was like, wow, this is amazing. You really should write about this. Um, And so I think one of the pieces and one of my current position 
pieces of my current position is really to support teachers and sharing their ideas from the classroom. Because I think oftentimes we're too isolated and don't share what's working in our community, in our own classroom, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. Because that basically <laughs> is the theme of our show is like, we, and, and there's often I, I'm always, you know, asking people to come on and do interviews and stuff. And I think sometimes some educators are like, well, I didn't realize that was even that big of a deal. And and I think it is sometimes like people, these teachers have these great ideas and they don't realize that maybe there's a another teacher in another part of the country or world that that wasn't aware of that idea. Right, right. And or even in our own ur- urban area or city, you know, like this could work really well in another high school. Um, so yeah, just really supporting the conversation of how to support students. Well, um, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us about this. Are you ready for our pop quiz? Sure. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? I think math. Um, you can just apply it to so many things and learning through math is just awesome. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Wow. Um, I think more emotional skills. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? (laughs) Yes. um, Just supporting students and engaging in the world and monitoring their emotions. Um, I also, I taught math and yoga in high school, actually. And the students were just amazed with the yoga um, class and often just commented how important that piece was and being mindful and learning to breathe. What does every child deserve? Gosh. A chance. And with that, love and appreciation. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Time. They, they need more time. What's the best gift to give an educator? Wow. These are great questions. Um, appreciation and value, valuing their work. Which teacher changed your life? Wow, so many. Um, But I think that I really went into education um, because of my high school biology teacher. Like I got to co-teach with him once and um, yeah, it just really opened my eyes to the work that goes into teaching and how much fun it can be. Yeah, do you mind sharing his name or or maybe like a story attached to him? Sorry, um, Mr. Rob Meisen. So um, he, and he also got me into camping. He would do a, uh, a trip with, the biology students um, out into the Allegheny Mountains. And so it's just great learning how science can apply to different aspects of life. And last question, pen or pencil? Oh, um, pencil if I'm doing math, pen otherwise. I hear you. Dr. Jennifer <laughs> Kinzer, Trout, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and, and coming on Class Dismissed. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.